Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. You might not recognize this voice. I am Stephanie Snyder here at Keystone Group International. And across from me is Jamie Tates. She is in a unique position today, different seat than she normally is. She is the one being interviewed. Hello, yes. Jamie, and welcome. Okay, translation. Steph <laughs> stole the microphone and won't give it back to me and tells me that I have to be interviewed today. So I don't like this. This was an epic <laughs> battle and I won. So today we are going to talk about Jamie and her solo trip to Tanzania um, to give you a little perspective. Minnesota sits at an elevation level about three, 830 feet. Which I didn't even know. Uh, oh. At uh, above sea level. She went to Kilimanjaro over in Tanzania. It is a dormant volcano and it comfortably rests at a cool 19,341 feet above sea level. She That's decided she wanted so to climb it. <laughs> now I know why I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and that lack of oxygen, which we'll yes. get to. Yes. But... Um, I just want to ask a few questions and, and have our listeners kind of experience a journey from your point of view. We have an awesome blog that's out right now, um, and you can catch that each week on the Jamie Tate's website and also um, the LinkedIn page. But here we are today. So uh, I want you to tell me about your journey and what led you to the decision to travel halfway around the world on a solo mission to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, this is the first uh, question I get when I tell somebody that I did it. They're like, why? Mm -hmm. Like, why would you do that? Right? Like what inspired it? And there, I, there isn't a single thing, which is interesting thinking back on it. I made the decision in August of 2022 to go in January of 2023, um, primarily because I guess what I can attribute it to is just 2022 is a hard year for me as a leader. Not business is great. Personally, everything is great. But as a leader, I had a lot of trials and tribulations. I made some decisions. I don't think I was the best leader for the team. And I was really trying to figure my way, right? And try to balance everything we had going on. And it was a really hard year for me. And so I got to August and I just remember thinking, I don't want 2023 to be anything like 2022. And so for me, the only way I know is to just do something kind of extreme. And a lot of people don't know in 2019, the summer right before COVID, I went to the Amazon rainforest for 10 days, mm -hmm. um, took my 14 year old daughter with me into Ecuador, into the Amazon with no cell service or Wi-Fi. So it was the first trip I had ever gone on where I was completely disconnected. And I was terrified because mm -hmm. I was running a business and it's like, how do you actually disconnect? And it was the biggest gift I could have ever given myself. And so this was just another version of that, right? We're talking, we're joking about spring break and leaving on spring break. I'm still connected on mm -hmm. spring break, whether I want to be or not. Yeah. I go, I like going places where I literally can't be connected. And the mountain was like that because it's the only way I force myself to completely disconnect. Yeah. And it's so necessary. Right. When... For the clarity and for the, you know, I knew I needed to think differently. You know, I preach a lot with leaders that we work with that you've got to shift your perspective, but that doesn't happen to you. You have to go find it. Mm -hmm. You have to put yourself in situations that make you think differently. Yeah. Right. About the world, about everything. So I knew it would do that. And I actually knew going by myself, I'd have a deeper experience. Yep. 
Um, I mean, nobody just decides to go to, you know, the middle of Africa <laughs> as a woman specifically. I think that was what most was most surprising to people is a two week solo trip, not just the seven days on the mountain. Um, but it's, it, there's a lot of fear you've got to overcome, right. To travel like that and to do it by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you made it and you're back. So I survived. So <laughs> here you are. Um, you talk about the lack of oxygen that your mind and body experience at over 19,000 feet. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Can you tell me about like, what did you experience? Oh my gosh. So, well, and this is the scary question because I'm an open book and I'll probably share <laughs> too much, but, um, I had a couple calls with people that had done it right before I went, like, just kind of help me understand more like gear and, you know, how do I need to train and like, how should I be prepared? And so I think I did a good job with my training and I'm relatively physically active anyway. In seven days on the mountain, I would say seven days were awesome. Seven hours were not so much. And so what most people don't realize about Kilimanjaro is because it's so high, you can't sleep above about 14,500 feet. Like literally your body won't let you rest because there's just not enough oxygen in the air for you to breathe and and for it to get what it needs to rest. So in Kilimanjaro, you sleep at 14,000, but the summit is 19.3. So you have to do all of that in one period of time because you can't stay at that level for very long. And so we did a seven hour summit. It took us about seven and a half, I think, to go up. But you start at midnight so that you can get there at sunrise. You yeah. want to see the sunrise at 19,000 feet because you're at the curvature of the earth. Yes. So when the sun rises, it's like a spiritual, you know, awakening that happens because of how the light is kind of shining off of everything. Um, and so the oxygen deprivation mm-hmm. at an extreme happened during that seven hour period of time. There's a lot of different things that happened. Um I was hallucinating. Um, I had, I had pretty severe glucose issues. My glucose dropped pretty fast. And the problem is everybody has different things that happen. I didn't have the nausea and the headache that other people had. And so, you know, my body reacted differently. I had some out of body experiences, which is weird to people, but I came back and my therapist (laughs) has assured me that nothing, I didn't break anything in my brain. (laughs) It was Um, due to the lack of oxygen, the lack of oxygen. And yeah, I was floating above my body and some of it's protection. Your body's trying to figure out what's going on. And if you've never been, you know, people who've done even 14ers, you know, in Colorado or whatever, I mean, you're another Mm -hmm. mile above that. Real. So like, you just don't know what your body, we had an ultra marathon or not in our group, but that went up the same day and he didn't make it. And he's way more fit than I am. Exactly. And it's just genetics and your body and how your body reacts to that low oxygen level. And so everybody had a different experience. Some people were totally fine. Interesting. Yeah. So that was a fascinating, like science experiment that I would prefer to never do again. (laughs) So when you were coming down, could you, and you, you got into Uh, higher levels of oxygen. Could you You immediately tell, immediately tell? Yes. Like I had no, so we left at midnight, right? I couldn't eat anything. Other people were snacking on just things to kind of keep their, I physically couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And until we got back down to probably 16,000 feet, then I was just starving. Interesting. So just some of those things kind of came back when your body, you know, you get a little bit of the headache and that headache goes away as you go down. So yeah, most people don't realize that oxygen level and what it can really do to your body and your mind. And it becomes a big mental challenge more than anything. Wow. Uh, I would say talk about the sunrise because most of us won't experience the sunrise at 19,000 feet. So what was that like? So 
I was in such a state of just get me off the mountain. <laughs> it's really hard. Like I was joking uh, with my husband. I was looking at some pictures that other people took of me. I didn't actually have the energy to take. I mean, cause everyone has to understand it was, we think between 10 and 15 below zero okay. and 40 mile an hour winds. Mm. So, I mean, we had good gear on and stuff, but like, I couldn't even bring myself to take, cause I had two layers of mittens on mm-hmm. warmers, you know, I couldn't even get myself to take all of that off to pull my phone out of my pocket to take a picture. I didn't take a picture the whole way up. Yeah. Thank God other people did, <laughs> but there's a couple pictures of me where I'm like standing with the sunrise behind me, like kind of grimacing, trying to smile, <laughs> just thinking like, I can't even look at the sunrise right now yeah. because of how I felt. Yes. Right. So it just, it was hard. Yeah. Um, afterwards, I love looking back and saying like, I mean, I remember seeing it. And of course. when you're at that elevation, you're just praying for the sun to come up because what people don't realize is the sun was rising. I swear for like three hours. Cause you could see yep. the light on the horizon, but it wasn't the sun. Like, and it's so cold. You're just <laughs> like, please let the sun come up because you know, when the sun comes up, you're near the top and it'll warm up a little bit. Yeah. And so it was the longest sunrise ever, ever. <laughs> like it was not the peaceful ones on the beach that you see. You it know. was like, please let the damn sun come up. <laughs> we talk about raw authenticity here and there it is. I appreciate that. Okay. What was the coldest temperature on your trip? That you, I think it was, we, we didn't have any, one guy had it on his, on his watch. So we thought it was about negative 15 okay. at the top. I mean, right. there's just nothing warm, no matter what time of year. Cause Tanzania, they're on the equator. Yeah. So they don't really have winter and summer. They just, they're pretty consistent year round, but at that altitude, it's cold all the time. Yeah. There wasn't a ton of snow at the top. Um, it, another sad thing is we got to the top and I have some videos and pictures of the glaciers. Mm-hmm. So the top of Kilimanjaro, if you were to look like from a drone, like top down is all glacier. Um, and much of the glacier is gone. Really? And they said within the next 10 years, there'll be no glacier left at the top of the mountain, which is sad because Very of sad. Uh, a global warming. So, yeah. Okay. So since your trip, you posted a series of lessons from the mountain, which can be found on the website. What was your source of inspiration for writing on your journey? So the writing of the blogs was actually more for me than it was for anybody else. So I journaled every day that I was on the mountain. Um, and I probably, it was probably three weeks after I got back before I could look at them Mm because I just needed it to just sit. Um, I didn't want to relive. I mean, there's a lot of emotion, as you can imagine, a traveler by themselves. I'm in my tent in the morning and at night by myself, like there was just a lot of different emotions that I was feeling a lot of loneliness. Um, I I tell the story of you can be surrounded by people and still feel very lonely at the same time. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of people that go through life that way. And I had that experience wonderful people I was with, but I still felt pretty lonely Mm -hmm. on the trip. Um, And so I didn't want to read everything right when I came back. And so when I did start to read it, it was like, I was keeping a document of like, Oh my God, this is a lesson. Like, this is something I should tell people like this is, and I came up with 38 different lessons that didn't have to be separate blogs, but they were just like, these could go together. And this is kind of something I realized I learned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I decided to do something with it, I just asked the team, like, is this something I should be sharing? Right. I feel like there's something raw here. Yeah. Right. And it's not all, you know, unicorns and rainbows. It's, yep. it's the real stuff that I dealt with. Um, and I think it's been really impactful. We've just started releasing them. I was in Sioux Falls yesterday and I have people come up to me like, Oh my gosh, I read the blog. Like yeah. I needed to read that. And so I think it's having, it's hitting a nerve. Well, and it's, it's personal. Um, and it, 
you know, can relate to business 100%, and life and leadership. I mean, that there's a I lot of aspects. That was the biggest awareness about this trip is, you know, I went on this trip thinking like I needed to change me, right? And I needed to evolve. And a lot of what I learned is like, these are life things. This is family and community and business. And which is what we talk about business needs and human needs all the time. And I validated that on the mountain that all of these lessons and, and that's the next book, right? It is started. And it's because leaders need to be well with themselves mm-hmm. before they can be good leaders for anybody else. And I think that's the biggest leadership gap we have right now. Well, and you have to be good with sharing not only your personal side in your business side, because they're all interconnected. They are. And people want the human piece more than ever. Yes, now. absolutely. Yeah. How are you imposing what you learned on the mountain in your everyday life? And how are you holding yourself accountable to not fall back into the routine once you got back home? Because it's easy to try and jump on the computer, yeah, answer is. all your emails, schedule a hundred meetings. Like, how are you holding yourself accountable to kind of slowing down. Right. Um, I'm going back and rereading, you know, some of my journals and some of the things that I wanted. Um, But I'll be honest with you. I had a good four weeks after I got back that I was like in peace. Like I was like, wow, like I could actually live like this. And then I got sucked back in. Right. It's just, it's old habits. It's old muscle memory that you're trying to change. But the difference now is because I did this shift in perspective I now know I want to get back there again. And I know I can do it because I already did. Yep. Right. I really did disconnect and I really did find peace. And so I've lost it maybe a little bit, right. I've strayed a little bit, but I now know I'm capable of it. So now everything I'm doing is okay. If I do this and we do this right, even in the business, that's how I get back. Yep. Right. To the peace I found. Um, So I don't think it's, it's not a perfect science. It's not, you know, you can just, I thought I was going to be transformed and like stay that way, but you just don't realize that your old habits, your old beliefs, you know, as a business owner, like my, well, the only way to build this business is to hustle and to work 80 hours a week. And that's all I've ever known. Well, it's comfortable. It is. And (laughs) it's, it's, it's what you know. And so you go back to what you know. And so I see those habits slipping back. So what I'm doing about it is I'm trying to keep these things front and center. Mm-hmm. What I have done a better job of that I'm proud of is, is the focus on my family, mm-hmm. right? And I can feel the relationship that's changed because I'm pushing a different boundary. Yep. Um, I'm saying no to more things. And some of that is social things. Mm-hmm. So people around me that, you know, I'm, I am, I love doing social things, but I've really started to pull back on the weekends. Yeah. I'm sleeping more. I'm just giving my body time to rest and do the things it wants to do. I'm just saying no. I don't want to do that. And that could be like my husband saying, should we go out for dinner? And I'm like, no, yeah. I don't want to. And I'd never had those boundaries before because I was a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I wanted everyone else to be happy. And is everybody else good? And then I'll figure out if I'm okay. And um, so I think I'm being better with boundaries, both business and personal, but it's a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. But you now you recognize when you need to pull back yes, or pay attention to the relationships Um, And I know the feeling more now of like the feelings I don't want to have. So it's not that I don't have them. I'm just like, uh, yep. Now I remember I don't like that feeling. Yep. And so how can I fix that? So it's like, I'm catching it sooner. I think than I was before I was just in the spiral before. And now I'm catching myself when I start to spin. 
It's all you can do. Right. What words of advice do you have for someone struggling with uncertainty or hesitation or that fear that might be holding them back? Again, the comfortable space that we all yeah. like to stay in. How much time do you have? I mean, I have a whole hour <laughs> keynote on this. I just yeah. delivered yesterday. Is we all so first off, I want to say people would look at what I did and say, Oh, she's courageous or she's fearless. That's BS. Nobody's fearless. Mm-hmm. There's no world. There's no, there's nothing that exists without fear. I think it's how we look mm-hmm. at fear. And so I said this in front of a, you know, a large group of women yesterday is don't strive to be fearless. I think you strive to be courageous in the face of fear. Beautiful. It's, it's a very different approach. And so, because I think when we, people look at me and think, oh, she just conquered her fear. No, I have fear every minute of every day. Mm-hmm. The most successful people, you know, but what they do is they use it as a catalyst to push themselves forward versus something that holds them back. And that's what I'm learning to do. I'm not great at it yet. Mm-hmm. I still have a ton of fear. Um, the team for sure can feel when I slip into fear. And it's what I'm just trying to do now is say, like, how do I manage the fear better? How do I recognize it sooner? Yep. And then how do I take one simple action that brings me to faith? Awesome. Because we can't be in fear and faith at the same time. Yep. Is what I learned. Yeah. And you talk about it in your book and it's so fun to see all of this woven into your life, not only personally, but professionally and how you lead and, and drive your business. So not only do you talk it, you walk it. So that's awesome to show everybody who's out there and even the employees here. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that I want this trip to be, and I'm still figuring that out. I really am. I did some work um, even this week on, other keynotes, right. Or other like speaking opportunities. And what I want to talk about the lessons from the mountain um, is because I don't want this to just be something Jamie did. I want it to be something that incorporates into what we do Mm -hmm. as a business with the leaders that we work with. And so that piece I haven't figured out yet. Um, But how do we recreate these perspective shifts where someone doesn't have to go climb a mountain. Mm-hmm. Like the visionary in me is, I think there's retreats. I think there's other things that we can do to serve leaders that want to shift their perspective, but don't need to go to that level of extreme. How can we do that in workshops and retreats? So that's where my brain goes is I want more of this and I want to share it with more people. Well, and as of late, you're talking more about widening your aperture and yeah. your perspective. And I yeah. think as your aperture gets bigger, you're sharing that with everyone else. And not only does that educate them, but it makes them think yep. and it kind of gives them new perspective and maybe a little bit different lens to look out of to kind of see their business differently or relationships in, in right. general. Right. That's my hope. It's a ripple effect, right? That I think we have yep. and we don't have to see every piece of it. We just know it's out there because of the conversations and maybe you might inspire one or two people to climb a mountain and that's oh no I have I already have a list I'm having calls with people because they're like tell me about this and that and what I should bring and you know so people are doing it but everyone doesn't have to do that Mm -hmm. in order to be inspired right they can take this inspiration and, and choose to make a different decision in their life but the one thing I learned is life doesn't wait for you And people say life is too short, right? People have a death in the family or a friend and then they go, oh gosh, I should have, you know, life doesn't wait. So you have to do it now, whatever it is, just do it. 
because you're gonna, that's going to be your biggest regret on your deathbed is that you didn't do the thing. Exactly. I think this is a great time for the much anticipated bonus round, which everybody (laughs) is so excited to hear because it's fun. Um, Quick couple questions about the mountain and uh, what was your favorite food on the mountain? What did you eat? So people ask this all the time. So we had an actual cook, right? So they have these guide groups and a cook comes up with you. So, so you're not like eating dehydrated meals and you're eating like three full meals a day because you're, you're burning 30% more calories just by being at elevation, which people don't realize. So like you, I ate more food than I've ever eaten and lost 10 pounds because you're just burning (laughs) so many calories. The food was well-rounded. So a lot of rice, a lot of veggies and a lot of chicken or beef, right? So they bring up in different sauces. So the food was not like my favorite (laughs) because like I just, the rice was great, but you get sick of rice after seven days. But the funniest thing is they made crepes every morning. So they call them pancakes. Okay. But to us here, they're crepes, right? The thin crepes folded up. Yeah. And then they had jars of Nutella and we actually ran out of Nutella and they had to have (laughs) Nutella brought up. We ran out like four days in. So every single morning I would have a crepe with With a little bit of Nutella on it. And before we'd start hiking and it was the sugar I needed, right? Mm -hmm. So they give you these things because you need that sugar in order to operate all day long in those conditions. And that is just like, that's the (laughs) thing I think about. Do you have a jar of Nutella at home right now? Did we you buy always, I have four teenagers, so we always have Nutella at yeah. home, but I haven't eaten Nutella since Nutella since I gotten back. Oh, that's too funny. But um, the group I went with, we actually have, they're from all over the world. So we have a WhatsApp just to be able to text and we text almost every day. Yeah. And two weeks after I got back, it was national Nutella day, which I didn't even know was a thing. And I found it. And so I sent everybody the thing in Nutella and it was like, everyone lost their mind. Oh They're gosh. like, Oh, Nutella, I haven't had Nutella since the mountain. So it's not stuff you would normally eat, but yep. it's almost the comfort mm-hmm. food of just like, you feel like there's something that, that makes you happy yep. in terms of food. And you have to just like eat that. Funny. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> uh, did you have an embarrassing situation above 10,000 feet or 15,000 feet? Well, people ask a lot about the toilet facilities, right? How mm-hmm. does that work for seven days? <laughs> um, so there's two pieces is when you're at camp, so you rent a toilet. So there's a little like camping toilet and then there's a porter that cleans it and carries it. And there's a tent around it so that you can go in the middle of the night or whatever. And so that's not so bad. I mean, when it's freezing cold and you have to go in the middle of the night and go sit on it, it's not great. Mm -hmm. The hardest part is during the day, especially for women. Women have it much worse than men do. And so we'll hike for three hours and then you're on a mountain. So there's like, but you're like, there's points where it's like, well, there's a few rocks there and a few rocks here. There's only, if you got to go, you got to go like there's, and you're with a group of men and women. So it's like, (laughs) okay, men look that way and go that way. And girls, you go over here and go to the bathroom. I mean, it's literally like you would do in kindergarten. Yeah. So it's for day one, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm peeing right here against this rock. And like, if anybody walks up, like they can see me. Yep. And by day two, three, four, you're like, whatever. I have to go. I have to go. (laughs) You've seen one. I mean, serious. Like the modesty goes out the door. And then you're like, hey, and you're, I can see a guy walking up. He doesn't know I'm there because I'm yeah. behind him. Like, and I'm yelling at him and he's like, oh, sorry. Right. And turns around. So you have those moments. Yeah. But at it's, some point you're just like, whatever. It is what it is. You, you got to go. We all have to do it. Right. So. Um, did you have anything surprising or unexpected happen to you or your group on the trip? 
Not really anything unexpected to us. There were some other groups that were going up the same night as us on the summit that had some like weird things happen to people in their groups. But I think as I look across the entire trip, what was most unexpected to me was the relationships that I built with a group of complete strangers in 24 hours. Really? I mean, it was so fast and so deep. These people will be in my life for the rest of my life. Like that's the level of relationship. And they live all over the world. Some of them I might never see again, and they'll still be people I think about on a regular basis. Yeah, you shared an experience. Yeah, and it's that shared experience, which is one of the blogs is, you know, when we work with leadership teams and we see these teams that are together eight, nine hours a day for years, and they don't have the level of trust that I built with this group of people in a couple of days. Yeah, And it starts to make you think like, because we're not being we're not put in extreme situations, right? Mm -hmm. Teams that went through COVID together actually built trust Mm -hmm. because it was chaos and they had to do it together, right? So how do we recreate that in a way that's not as dramatic? Yeah. But teams have to be willing to do that. They have to be willing to go there with each other and to be able to share about themselves. And and so I think that's the lesson I brought back and I don't know the answer yet, but how can we solve for that? with the executive teams that we work with, because I think it's what's absolutely needed. Absolutely. Builds your culture and creates that level of trust between the team. So all of our clients are climbing Mount Kilimanjaro now. So that's just our new thing. Truly first, right? (laughs) There's a virtual (laughs) option. Uh, Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to share that no, I just appreciate, you know, the team really pushed me to do this podcast. And I, you know, sometimes you're like, does anybody really care about this? But there's so many leadership lessons in there so that I, I'm still even realizing. Um, so I think it's fun to be able to share that with everybody. And if people connect with me, if people are seriously considering it, I, I'd love to chat. Um, if you feel like you need a perspective shift, I got a whole list of other things, right, that aren't that extreme to help you think through it. So I just want to start the conversation. So thank you for pushing me to do this. Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, We appreciate you and your perspective that you've brought back and all the insight um, and lessons that we're going to learn along the way and instill with all of the clients. Yep. I love it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.